0: Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Fraser Allen, and this week took me to a swish hot-desking space on the outskirts of North Berwick, otherwise known as the Beer Ritz of the North. It's perhaps an unexpected place to encounter one of the world's leading talent acquisition experts, but that's exactly what Matt Alder is – with a particularly big reputation in the US. An early adopter with a love for technology, he found himself working in the recruitment sector just as it was being disrupted by the internet. It was a perfect space for him and after gathering a wealth of agency experience, he became an independent consultant, steering talent acquisition professionals through the brave new world of digital technology, seemingly always one step ahead in identifying new trends and innovations key to his success has been an extraordinarily popular podcast series, which has so far racked up more than three quarters of a million listens and has been commercialized to the extent that it is now the main part of Matt's business. Let's find out more. Matt Alder, you're a talent acquisition and innovation consultant, a content marketing strategist, and the brains and voice behind a podcast called The Recruiting Future, which is massive, particularly in the United States. But first question: What did you want to do when you left school?
0: When I left school, I wanted to be an actor. Really? Yes, like I wanted well. to be an actor, and I was convinced I was—I uh, was convinced I was going to be. So, um, you know, many years later, I find myself in talent acquisition. So, not quite sure what went, what went <laughs> wrong, but um, but I was—you uh, know—I was fairly set that that's what I was going to do. Any flickering f- flame of ambition there? Or amateur dram- dramatics or anything like that?
1: No, no? not really.
0: No? Not really. Um, I did. Uh, I did drama at university, and I, I kind of loved doing it. But I think um, by the end of university, I was uh, I was I was sort of over. I was over that. Um, right. Okay. And no, I don't. I don't think I've really done anything since. I do a lot of. I obviously do the podcast, and I do a lot mm. of a lot of public speaking. So um, you know that gives me the attention that I crave. Sure, there is a link <laughs> now, between
1: the two. You've, you've got a voice that I could imagine working quite well on the stage. So maybe there is some link going back
0: to those kind of yeah. Well, ambitions. I used to you know when I was like nineteen or twenty, I used to do a mm. lot of Shakespearean acting. Right. So uh, you know that's um, when I was working yeah. on uh, working on my voice. So uh, so yeah, so it was uh, um, a long-held ambition, but I think mm. uh, um, the exposure to the realities of <laughs> what it actually meant uh, uh, you know was it was enough to was enough to finish it off, and I'm uh, I'm very happy with what I've uh, right. what I've done instead. Yeah. So, what was life like growing up and, and where where did you come from originally so i'm um, I am very nomadic i 'm originally from Cornwall, um, which is a very long way from Scotland right, okay. um, and uh, I lived in Cornwall till I was about eight, and then my parents moved to Kent so um, I spent most of my formative years on the Kent coast and uh, you know that was uh, that was good so um um, formative years on the Kent coast and then I uh, went to university in Winchester mm-hmm. so um, up until uh, this point of my uh, up until a few years ago my life was uh, very much centred around the south of England
1: okay yeah and when you were at Winchester you, you did drama as we as we know did English as well where were you most likely to be found at the university campus Emma? In in the bar in the
0: library on the sports field I would be lying if I didn't if I if I said it wasn't the bar because it was the bar. Um, I'm not sure I ever found the library, but I'm, I'm told, uh, on great authority, that there was one. Uh, but I used to play a lot of hockey as well, so um, I did a lot of sport. But actually, um, other than the bar, I was mainly found on the stages uh, doing uh, you know doing various drama productions and um, um, and things like that, um, and getting involved in student politics and uh, you know, okay. hanging around yeah. uh, and being part of the being part of the student union. So what, what was the plan when you when you left university? Mostly. Can't say I had much of a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I didn't want to be an actor, so that was uh, that. That was that was part of it. Um, I also graduated during. Uh, quite a big recession so I think uh, when we all sort of uh, started our courses there was a sense that there were lots of graduate jobs around and we'd all you know move into um, some amazing graduate training scheme and uh, start our career that way and then when uh, uh, we came to graduate there were there were no graduate jobs around so uh, you know me and uh, sort of lots of my peers we sort of um, uh, you know stumbled into careers so uh, I had a few sales jobs um, was very very Determined that I was going to move to London, um, mm-hmm. found a sales job in London and uh, moved there. So you're at the of, Guardian, uh, is that right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. I was. I did a, I did a couple of um, uh, horrible cold calling telesales jobs mm-hmm. before I joined the Guardian, but uh, but yeah, I, th- that's the first job I like to remember <laughs> um, that, that I had, and that was a that was a phenomenal place to work. Um, it was a very long time ago, and I'm still in touch with uh, a number of people when oh, really? I work there. I yeah. sort of uh-huh. remember it very 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 fondly. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you did a you know, life in sales long term wasn't wasn't for you clearly uh
0: no i mean i i did sort of uh you know i had a sort of sales aspect to my career for a really really long time but i um i really wanted to i really wanted to work in an ad agency um and i think that um, that that was probably you know my first proper ambition. Once I got into the got into the workforce, I had a few friends who were working in ad agencies, and um, um, that's kind of what I really that's what I was sort of really wanted to really wanted right. to do right. for whatever reason. <laughs> but, but,
1: uh, and you did do that, didn't you? But prior to that, you ended up spending quite a long time at a recruitment agency.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked for a company called TMP, which actually was a recruitment advertising agency. Um, oh, okay. So yep. I got into this whole recruitment, talent acquisition. Malarkey, completely by accident. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to work. Um, I wanted to work in advertising. Mm. I ran about the time that I was making those moves in my career. Someone had invented the internet, and the internet was becoming uh, well, the internet had been invented before that, but the internet was becoming um, a business tool in a number mm. of industries. Um, uh, straight after work for the Guardian, I worked for a photography company that was owned by Bill Gates. That was all about distributing. Um, photography on the internet, and uh, I used to run the team that sold photography to that agency. Corbis. Corbis. I didn't yeah. it was around. a Bill it it Gates
1: connection there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he's. Yeah. I think I can't remember whether he still owns it or not, but he set right. it up. Um, I think he originally set it up as the idea was that he wanted to um, sell flat screens to people's houses where they could have a selection of, okay. um, you know, uh, paintings and, and landscape photography that kind of that kind mm. of changed, which. You know, it seems quite quaint now <laughs> all these years on, but it was kind of a cutting edge thing so he went around gathering rights to digital rights to all of these um all of these images, and then eventually um it just became kind of a photographic agency like any other one um but the the internet thing was a kind of trigger for me, and um I wanted to work um in an ad agency doing an internet job um and um, at the time, those were few and far between, and I had an opportunity to go and work for an ad agency called TMP, um, which turned out to be a recruitment ad agency, which mm. you know, I didn't really think much about at the time because I just wanted to work for an ad agency. So, um, so that's kind of how I sort of ended up in that, in that world, right. basically.
1: And then you moved to a company called Penner Barkers, who, are, who were an ad agency. Was that still in the recruitment? Yeah, sort still, of field? still yeah. recruitment. So okay. I did, I did
0: ten years in uh, recruitment ad agencies. Mm. Um, I, when I started, I was sort of the, the first one into the, um, you know, the internet division. So, um, had the opportunity to look at how um, the internet was actually changing the way that people do recruitment mm. marketing, um, and also changing the way that people do recruitment. So with things like careers websites. And recruitment software, um, you know, I was really lucky to be involved in really the development of those of those industries through that through that ten years working with some, um, you know, working with some sort of fabulous um, some fabulous clients basically. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was uh, sort of ten years at two different ad agencies. Um, the second ad agency was was interesting. It was a competitor to the first one, um, and was kind of very much behind the curve with the internet and. Um, had the opportunity to go there and um, you know really sort of grow right, that business right. and uh, um, you know really get the sort of digital digital side of it digital side of it moving. So it was a it was a real kind of formative fascinating mm. time where I learned lots of things about lots of things. Um, you know worked worked with some really interesting um, clients. Went to some absolutely crazy parties during the dot com boom. <laughs> um, you know, was there for the dot com crash and everything that came. Everything that came afterwards. So it was a yeah. it was a really really interesting time. Yeah. So it sounds like kind of right time, right
1: place in in many respects. And you obviously had a natural interest and uh, flair for kind of picking up. How, how the internet was going to change things. Is something you've always been
0: interested in, kind of new technology? Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it's because uh, I've, I've worked in industries where I've seen uh, the internet sort of... Dis- I've worked in industries that were disrupted early by the internet. Mm. So uh, photography, commercial photography, was actually um, one of the first industries to go um, mm. in terms of, uh, you know, to, to be disrupted digitally. Mm. Um, and that was all happening, you know, I worked for, when I was doing my sort of sales um you know my sales part of my career I actually worked for two photo agencies I worked for Corbis and I worked for another one as well um and um you know it was kind of early days of the commercial internet but photography was the uh you know was the thing because obviously it was very easy to to share to download Mm. it um to pirate it and um you know, it it changed the way that those industry works. And I, um, you know, I was kind of really fascinated by that change, by people's reaction to that change, but also by the opportunities that it gave. Um, And, uh, you know, recruitment was another industry that... um, you know, was being disrupted by <coughs> was being disrupted by the internet, and it still is um, all these years later. And I, it, it's that disruptive bit that I find really interesting. Um, you know, where's it going to go? What's the best practice going to look sure, like? Yeah, what does technology yeah. do? And and that's the piece that I find fascinating. And that that has been the sort of the the theme through um, you know through the rest of my career after I got the early, mm. got the early stuff out, got the early stuff out of the way.
1: And that's why people look to you, I guess, because you, you are positioning yourself at the very sort of edge of what's about to happen next.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always experimenting. I'm always um, trying to find great stories about what people are doing all around the world when it comes to talent acquisition and, and technology and how those mm. two things combine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, really... Um, My God, I'm celebrating. Celebrating? Is that the right word? Um, I'm 20 years in this industry in October Mm. um, doing, you know... Trying to find out what's next and what's happening, and um, I think the good thing about doing it for twenty years is you can look back and look at the trends and look what actually did happen um, compared mm. to what you thought would happen, um, and you see there's lots of lots of cyclical things in terms of how technology comes along, disrupts something, how it's adopted, mm. um, how it then becomes the norm, um, and how then the next technology comes along and does the same thing. So you can you can see patterns, which is in, which is interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I'm kind of always sort of. Um, always making my life difficult by you know being out there and trying to be innovative mm-hmm. and trying to find the next disruptive thing and I really should be just you know settling down and <laughs> getting on with the status quo but I can't I literally can't do it so um you know that's what sort of drives me forward basically.
1: So what led you to leave the cocoon of working for an agency and striking off on your own and setting up Metashift?
0: So after 10 years of working for that agency I realized that I didn't want to work for that agency anymore um you know I had a, I had a great time in the in the agency world or in my niche of the agency world, but um, it was kind of getting to the point where um, you know I was running a big team, and I was a I I got a long way away from the clients and the actual work, and I was mainly running holiday spreadsheets, and arguing with people about budgets and all the things that come with you know mm. that come with big companies, um, and uh, the financial crisis hit, and the agency I was working for. Um, was taken over by another company, and after sort of six months um of kind of you know hanging around and um, looking at what that looking at what that looked like um, i i had the opportunity to I had the opportunity to um you know to stay or to leave I took the opportunity to leave mm-hmm. um, and thought it was about time i did my own did my own thing on my own terms basically had,
1: had you always had a desire to run your own position
0: um, no i hadn 't um uh, i think it probably um it, i hadn't it, you know i hadn't for a long for a long period of time but i think the sort of last sort of 2 or 3 years um you know working for ever bigger companies um you know it started off as an idea or something that i thought might be cool to do um and then you know i really wanted to do it and then the kind of the opportunity presented itself so um i dived in and dived mm-hmm. in and did it and now that's that was um you know that was almost 10 years ago
1: right nice. Yeah. But there's been uh, there's a kind of few different elements to what you're doing, aren't there? You, you're also, um, you've been working as a digital strategist at eMarketeers. I see from your LinkedIn profile, which <laughs> you've I've been on stalking. have been haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So you've also got another business called Two Heads Consulting, and this is, I think, to do more with content marketing. There was also, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe there was a kind of tech startup that didn't quite go to plan. So what, was,
0: what has this period been all about, and how have you played around with these different roles? I think it's interesting and I think a lot of it is about being you know a kind of a solo self employed self employed person so um, you know I've never um, when I started I wanted to you know I wanted to be a self employed consultant I wasn't really looking to start um, you know to start a business and, I, and I've, I suppose I've just been experimenting you know experimenting with that to try and find uh, you know what's most interesting and also just to see what you know what I might be able to scale out of it. So, I um, mean, you know, the things that you mentioned, is um, a brilliant um, training and strategy company in digital, and I was worked for many years as an associate um, for them, delivering you know social media training and um, some of the stuff that they were doing around um, round recruiting. So that was only ever really a kind of a, an associate um, associate position. Um, I did. Uh, bite the bullet on attempting a tech startup. Um, I found a great business partner, and we spent think, three or four years trying to revolutionise the the way recruitment was done on mobile. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we made some we made some frustratingly good progress. We had uh, some very good clients. Um, we actually managed to get mentioned in Fortune magazine, um, but ultimately we couldn't convince. Um, enough UK based investors that um, there was uh, there was something in the idea Mm -hmm. so we kind of had to back away from it which was a shame because um, one of our one of our competitors at the time who are American and did get a lot of investment um, just exited their business for a lot of money so (laughs) um, you know all of these things you know you know, all of these things are all about execution. Mm. Um, but it was nice to know that the, the concept did have uh, the mm-hmm. concept did have did have legs. So um, walked away from that. And so now um, I do a combination. I do a combination of things. So I still work as a consultant in tech acquisition and innovation. Um, tend to work with. I've, I've always worked with large companies, so companies like um, Accenture, for example. It's a company I've done a lot of work with in the last few years. Um, uh, but also, I suppose, latterly I've been working with um, medium-sized and smaller businesses as well mm. um, as talent acquisition becomes an issue for every business because, um, you know, digital transformation is changing everything, um, you know, there are skill shortages everywhere, there's, uh, you know, pressures pressures at the moment around uh, immigration and things like that which mm. causes mm. even more skill shortages. Mm. So talent acquisition has become a, an issue mm. for um, for most for most businesses um i also with two heads consulting i do some research and content marketing based stuff for some of the software companies that work in the recruitment space oh, okay. um, and then i have the podcast um, yeah. which yeah. i'm sure we'll talk about in a yes. second um and you know it, it sounds like a bit of a hodgepodge of stuff but the theme the theme that runs through it is always the same it's always about um you know developing and sharing thought leadership in innovation Mm, and talent mm -hmm. acquisition and and technology um and it's just a few a few different ways of um different three different ways of getting that getting out out there whether that's research content or um consultancy or the or the podcast great and
1: just before we get on to the podcast um you also wrote a book called exceptional talent what was the thinking behind that matt and how hard was it to actually Get the book together, and what
0: have the benefits been in terms of your profile? So yeah, so the book came out. Um, I'm thinking it's almost two and a half years ago now. Time time flies. Um, I'd, I'd actually, you asked me what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, I it was just it was an opportunity that kind of um, presented itself. My um, Mervyn, the guy I collaborate with on Two Heads, he was asked by a publisher if he'd write a book, um, and we decided to collaborate on it and uh, exceptional talent was was born um writing a book is a lot of hard work I think that's the best way to sum it, to sum it up um, It was a fascinating process though and um the benefits from the book have been have been brilliant um, in terms of speaking opportunities and profile and sort right. of companies that i mm. have got to got to work with so much so i'm currently writing we're currently writing a second book so um and we're at that sort of stage at the moment where um, we've forgotten how difficult writing a book no, was, which is why we're we, in why we Greece write like, a second like one. Having but, children, uh, yep. But yeah, so we're kind of we're about halfway through the second one, and that's going to be out next March, April time. Basically. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's called Digital Talent. Um, okay. In a in a kind of a you know sequel, <laughs> sequel kind of way, and it's about um, the talent aspects of digital transformation. What I was just what I was just talking about. Actually, mm. so so that's been really interesting to research. Great.
1: And yeah, moving on to the the podcast. So your your series is called the Recruiting Future, which you launched in 2015. I think at the beginning of so it's been going about four and a half years yeah. now, something yeah. like that. Um, you've published 200 episodes. You've racked up three quarters of a million listens. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing uh, to be doing this initially from a little startup in in North Berwick. Um, mm. How 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 did you manage that? How was, what? Tell
0: us the story of, of how the podcast has developed. So um the work I do involves a lot of research. So if you're sort of looking at the cutting edge of something you have to you have to go and find out what that you know, find out what that is and see who's using technology and what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. So I've always done over the last ten years I've always done huge amounts of research and I've always done lots of interviews with people, you know, constantly speaking to people around the world to find out what's going on. Um, after the after we shut the tech company um I thought I needed to do something to take my mind off <laughs> my mind <laughs> off the world of startups. Um and also kind of reestablish my my consulting business. So I I was doing these interviews anyway, so I thought, well, why don't I just uh, you know do your work in public or whatever the mm-hmm. phrases? I thought, uh why don't I just publish them as a um you know, as a podcast, and I've always been interested in audio. Um always wanted to be on the radio. There we are, that's something else I wanted to do. Always <laughs> wanted to be on the radio. Um and I I launched the podcast. I launched the podcast with zero expectations about where it was gonna go. I just wanted to get some of the great people that I was talking to, you know, get that content out there and share it mm. um to move the industry forward really. So it started with very um, you know, no ambition behind it. Um no ambition behind it at all. And it's sort of um, you know, taken on a life of its own from from, from there.
1: So I mean did... To get to that number of listeners is quite is quite an impressive achievement. Um, it was an instant though, was it? It took a a while to build up. So, what, I, I know a lot of businesses will be looking at podcasts as a possible way of building profile. Any kind of lessons that you can kind of pass on to people about how to, to do
0: it effectively? Yeah, so I think the the biggest thing with podcasting is tenacity, and I say that because there's a brilliant stat about I can't remember, but you know X percent of podcasts that are out there. Have less than ten episodes, or finished, or the pod fade is the uh, is the word that get used. They pod faded before they got to episode ten. Um, what that doesn't mm. include is all the podcasts that pod faded before they got to episode one, <laughs> <laughs> where people kind of did all the work and then um, and then never launched it. So um, if you can get past ten episodes, mm. then uh, you know you're already uh, you know you're already kind of pushing yourself up the uh, you know push, pushing pushing yourself up the, the podcasting ranking as it as it were. So tenacity is important. Um, when, I, when I started, although I had sort of zero expectations, I, in my head um, I always wanted to get to 50 episodes, you know, mm-hmm. regardless who was, who was listening. Um, so, so that's important. Um, content is critical. I think the, one of the problems that I see from people starting podcasting, um, and I speak to lots of people, ask my, my advice about starting podcasting, mm-hmm. and everyone is obsessed with equipment what microphone should I get? Um, I want to turn my spare bedroom into a home studio. How do I, um, you know, how do I soundproof it and all this this nonsense? Um, And, you know, I mean, obviously it's important, but it really isn't that important. I think the the most important thing is content. Mm. Uh, You know, what's the content of the podcast going to be? Who are you aiming that content at? Um, And why are people going to listen to it? And I think that's the thing. And it's also, it's going to evolve as the podcast, um, you know, is published and gets an audience. You know, people mm. will evolve um, what they what they do. Hopefully, in line with the with the audience feedback. But um, really, thinking about the content, thinking about who the audience is and why they're going to listen, I think is is critical. Mm. Um, distribution is also important. Um, a number of the podcast proper podcast hosting companies um, will distribute podcasts to lots of different channels. So, <clears throat> any podcast um, that's dying at the moment should be on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Overcast, you know, there's a whole Mm -hmm. series of um, places where people consume them, and um, the, the really good podcasting hosts can cover that cover that for people um despite that i still see lots of people um just launching their podcast on soundcloud on soundcloud Mm. because it's easy um and you're not necessarily going to get an audience so understanding what your audience want and also understanding where your audience are is um is really is really important so um you know that and tenacity i think they're 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 important considerations when you're when you're starting out definitely Mm -hmm.
1: And how valuable has the podcast been for you personally? You think in terms of develop, developing the, your, your business?
0: Um, j- j- incredible, absolutely. It's, it's been absolutely incredible for me. Um, it, um, particularly in the last eighteen months, where the um, listener volume has really kind of hit a critical, mm. um, a critical mass. So um, it's been brilliant for opening up opportunities, for raising my profile. Uh, you know, for getting me into uh, speak at really interesting events, um, but now it's a business in its own right. So uh, right. the podcast is sponsored. Um, I do six episodes a month um, because the sponsorship allows me to spend more time on it, um, and it's fast becoming um, going from side project to my main business. Really? basically. So, um, so it's,
1: actually, it's it's making a profit in its own right.
0: Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know. You, well, someone who understands publishing. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it, it's kind of got that audience now where um, you know, I can work in partnership with some really, you know, really great sponsors who can mm-hmm. help me produce mm-hmm. content and I can connect them to the audience that they're yeah. um they're looking for. And uh, again, with no expectations of this happening, it has become a um <clears throat> has become a business in its own right, which wow. is um which is uh, phenomenal. Yeah. So what what next
1: are you gonna you keep juggling these kind of three main components of your business or plans to launch anything else or <laughs> what's, what's going to happen over the next sort of three or four years
0: It's a good question, so so really over the next three, three, three to four years um I'm focusing on the podcast, so um I've got to the point where I've almost accidentally built a platform <laughs> that i can um you know that I can build a really interesting business wow. on yeah. um, you know which is fantastic so um I'm, I'm still doing the consultancy because the consultancy helps me ask the right questions on the podcast. Because mm. the consultancy really helps me understand um, what it is my target audience want to know and the problems that they've got, um, and that means I can get the right guests and ask the right questions. Mm. Um, so that's you know that that's great, um, and the research is interesting. But but really, um, you know, I could see the podcast becoming you know, becoming my main business, and I'm really interested in terms of how I can how I can develop that moving forward so that's growing the audience um, it might be moving into live events um, you know there's a number of um, mm. there's a number of kind of options on the table now which I'm sort mm. of um, kind of exploring and you know looking for the right partners to work with and um, wow. really really thinking about so yeah hopefully that in the next three or four years is going to be about developing um, you know developing developing that platform mm.
1: Sounds really exciting. I was going to ask you, looking back over your career, what some of your smartest moves were. Presumably, well, obviously, starting the podcast was, <laughs> even if it didn't seem like a massive thing at the time.
0: Yeah, so I think, I, you know, I, I think the two smartest moves were um, moving into the internet um, when I did, mm. um, you know, spotting the potential of it. Because I moved into it before the dot-com boom happened. So mm. um, not long before, but just before. Um, and when I said to people that I was getting this kind of internet internet-based job, um, everyone, first of all, everyone thought I was becoming a computer programmer, which i have not. Tried to become a computer programmer. I'm terrible <laughs> at it. I just got, my brain doesn't work that way. Um, and you know, everyone was saying, "Why are you doing this? It doesn't make it hmm. doesn't make any sense." So that was a that was a good move. And yeah, starting the podcast was a was a oh, was a oh. was a good move as well. Um, although, be it you know, I didn't have maybe I had um, a lot of expectations about what moving into, into the internet would do for my career with the podcast. I didn't necessarily have those expectations, oh, yeah, but it's yeah. turned out. Um, turned out pretty well yeah. so far.
1: And looking back, any things you wish you hadn't done or you, you would,
0: do differently? <laughs> probably low. Probably lo- professionally uh, speaking, uh, professionally, of course. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. I don't know what else you meant. Um, <laughs> yeah, professionally speaking, I, it's interesting because I think there were probably times... Um, so I worked in talent acquisition for 20 years. Um, there have been times in that 20 years where I wish I'd perhaps moved out of it and, um, you know, gone into gone into another... Area that was perhaps less niche, um, but now I'm kind of at the stage where I'm glad I didn't. So I think all the things that I'd sort of, all the regrets that I'd sort of list um, previously, I look at where I am now, and they've actually all contributed to um, the position I'm in at the moment, which is, um, you know, which is great. So um, you know, I've probably got some things that I still regret, <laughs> but actually the, the the main things that I would think about have actually, you know, have actually led on to things that have been pretty good. So. Um, I'm going to say no Nor- revenge. Rub- Nor- Rub- Rub- exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're also an honorary Scot now. You're a member of the Scottish Business Network. You, yep. you settled in North Berwick with your wife and your, and your son. What do you enjoy about life here in East Lothian?
0: Um, life is fantastic. So my wife is from North Berwick originally. Um, so uh, that's why we moved here and she moved back here. Um, I absolutely love living in Scotland. Um, I lived in London for 20 years and living in Scotland is obviously... Um, you know a lot less hectic the scenery is a lot better (laughs) the people are far more chilled out um, and these are all good things but also I think the other thing about Scotland and maybe the thing that surprised me the most is just the um, you know the amount of opportunity in business and the amount of um, uh, you know investments going into sort of new technologies and new types of industries and um, you know it feels like a pretty exciting time to to sort of be in scotland and that's why i like being a member of the um scottish business network and uh you know really sort of stay in touch with uh you know with what's going on up here that's a great way to wrap it up
1: matt alder thank you very
0: much thank you
1: you can see how matt would work well on the stage he's got a great voice for theater and for podcasting and it would be fantastic if this podcast achieved a fraction of his impact we fully intend to though ambitious plans lie ahead for the months ahead In the meantime, I'll be back in a fortnight. Bye bye.
0: To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scott.